so for uh, years off and on, I have done some martial arts training. And when I was a senior in high school, I was waiting in line at an amusement park ride at Worlds of Fun. When someone came out of the bushes and put me in a headlock, not just a headlock, but a sleeper hold. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a sleeper hold, but your eyes bug out because all the blood's cut off to your brain coming and going. And you have like 30 seconds till you're going to go unconscious. I had learned all kinds of ways to escape from a sleeper hold. In that moment, I could think of none of them. So I kind of squeaked out, let me go. That was my big defense. <laughs> let me go. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I was not in any real danger. It was one of my students who had just happened to see me from across the park and came over to play a prank. But I think they were a little surprised and disappointed that I didn't have a better defense than that. Um, I know I was really surprised and disappointed. Uh, I drove home that night and I thought of all the things I had been taught and learned and in that moment, they just were not there. Somewhere way back at the back of my mind or deep inside, but they were not right here at the ready. They were not at the tips of my fingers and toes. Uh, I, was not, I was not properly trained for that moment. Last year, last fall in October, uh, a friend of mine, uh, he invited me over for dinner. There's a friend standing around in the neighborhood in the street. We had talked about Jesus before. You know, uh, he, he believed, but his wife and his kids had not grown up in church, and he kind of felt bad for that. Um, he said, I really want my family to have a faith, because as you and I know, faith is very important. So he invited me over for dinner and he asked me to pray before the meal, which I thought was pretty bold given that his wife and kids have never really done that sort of thing. And I did. And then as he was spooning green beans onto my plate, he said, I, I still believe in God, but, but whether God looks like Jesus or not, I don't really know. Somewhere during the pandemic, my friend had lost his faith in Jesus. And I just froze. I didn't say anything. I, I thought later that night about all the things I could have said. I mean, he brought it up. I, I could have said, oh yeah, tell me more. That wouldn't have been too hard. I could have been a little bolder maybe and said, oh, well, what's, what's changed? How do you see Jesus? Why do you think God might be different than that? I, I could have just proclaimed my own faith. Since he brought it up and had just asked me to pray seconds before, it was probably the field was wide open. I could have said, oh, I still love the picture of God that Jesus brings, the God who comes to us and shows himself to us so we don't have to wander around and, and guess who he is. But uh, I didn't say any of that stuff. My gratefulness for what God has done in my life, it just wasn't right here at the ready. My comfort was sharing the good news of what Jesus had done. It just wasn't, it just wasn't on the tip of my tongue. I was just not properly trained up to the moment. We're here at the end of a series on sharing our faith. And we've uh, spent two weeks asking the questions like who and what and, and why and how. So today we're asking when and where. 
When and where do we share our faith? And we got, got three scriptures for you on when or where, and we're just going to do a little Bible study on each one. So the first one is from 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, we've already done 1 Peter chapter 3 in this series, but we emphasize all different parts of it. So we're going to pick it up and do some other parts of it. It's so rich. Beginning in verse 13, Peter writes, Now, who will want to harm you if, uh, if you are eager to do good? But if you do suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live. Because you belong to Christ. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. So first thing that it says is that it expects hostility. Well, who would try to harm you? Even if they do try to harm you, don't be afraid of their threats. It expects a hostile environment. It expects ridicule. It expects shaming and skepticism. This one even expects danger, physical danger of harm. So can we just stop right here and be thankful to God that we live where we do in the time that we do? I was with a friend from Nigeria a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I said, tell me something that Americans are always whining about that, that you think we ought to just stop it. And he goes, no, nah, I don't want to answer that. I go, yeah. I said, tell me that. Tell me. He goes, okay, okay. All of it. <laughs> Everything. He said, you guys have it so good. You can do a series on sharing your faith. You can walk outside and say, Jesus, nobody will ever try to kill you. And he said that because it's not that way in every part of his country. So can we just be thankful that, that we can do this and you can go out and you can have printed on your t-shirt, whatever's printed on your t-shirt, and no one's going to try to kill us for it. Um, now, I know professionally, some of you have said it's starting to get dicey in certain professions to have a faith in Jesus. And so... That's there, that's there, but it's still not the same as your family and your personhood being under threat. So let's give thanks to God that we don't have the hostility Peter's talking about. The next thing the verse says is, you know, in answer to the when or where to share our faith is uh, be ready everywhere. Be ready everywhere at all times. You don't know when these conversations are going to happen. They may happen in the school library. You thought you were there for a study session, and suddenly someone closes their laptop and says, okay, what's up with the Jesus thing? Or I, I, I heard this. Somebody said this. I, I, I can't believe that. And, and it's on. Game on. You thought you were there to study something else. Um, it could happen in a car ride with people you work with on the way to a business trip, and you're just driving along, and then somebody asks some kind of spiritual question or raises this subject. It could happen while your neighbor's spooning green beans onto your plate. So we don't know, anywhere, anytime, any place. The next thing that it says is to keep your conscience clear. Keep your conscience clear so they can't speak against you for any reason other than following Jesus. So um, an obvious outworking of this, especially I think that will be true here at Lakeland, is because we're a certain brand of, of Christian. So we have these friends, right? And, you know, they're not Christians, so they do sinner stuff. But they don't think of it as sinner stuff. They just think of it as fun. And we don't want to be a prude, and we don't want to be judgy. And so we, we end up doing it with them, right? 
We end up doing the same things they're doing, going to the same places they're going, laughing at the same jokes they're laughing at, uh, ingesting the same substances in the same quantities that they are. Because we don't want to be judgy. And then here's, here's where that turns bankrupt, is that when God does the work that he's doing in their life, and they come to that late night moment when they want to change, the one person they know they can't talk to is us. Because we've been right there doing all that stuff with them. Like, well, I feel like I had a turn, but I know I can't talk to so-and-so. They're, they're just a hypocrite right there with me. Now, you have come on Sundays and prayed before this cross for forgiveness from Christ and received it, but they don't know that. And so your witness is, is lost. Well, far better to have been the person who was uh, fun to be around, accepting, loving, but always stopped just short. Always stop just short of sinning. So when they come to that moment late at night, they can say, you know who I could probably talk to about this? So-and-so, they love me, they accept me, they're my friend, but they, they, never, they never went too far. So there is something different about them, and I'm starting to wonder if it's this, this Jesus thing. A less obvious outworking of keep your conscience clear would be just do what you're supposed to do wherever you are. If you're a student, do your work. Don't cheat. <laughs> if you're at work, do your job. Do your job. Don't be taking extra time off because the boss is on vacation and no one will know. Don't be pushing your duties off onto other people. Don't be showing up late and leaving early and all that stuff. Because here's what you don't want to happen. You don't want to share your story of what Jesus has done. And then as soon as you walk out of the room, everybody goes, yeah, they seem smart about that. Too bad they can't just like show up to work on time. You know, oh, so they've got all this good, you know, they know Jesus and stuff, but, you know, they wouldn't have passed English. They hadn't been copying off my papers all the time. You want to keep your conscience clear so that after sharing your faith, you leave the room and say, you know, that's a good person. They work hard. They live upright. Maybe they, they probably do know something I don't. Keep our conscience clear so that there's no reason to attack us, no reason to discount what we've said that God has done in our life. So the answer to the question when and where comes back everywhere and all the time. That's what we share our faith, everywhere and all the time. Let's go to another scripture. Uh, this one comes from the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul writing to uh, young pastor Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So another rich passage of scripture on sharing our faith. Um, first of all, it reminds us that there is a time when Jesus is going to return. There's a time when Jesus will return and he will set up his kingdom. And at that time, all the sharing will have been shared. All the deciding will have been decided. We'll enter some new era of creation history. So that one tells us that the time to share is now. Time to share our faith is now because we don't know if Christ's return is imminent or if we still have another 1,000 or two years. Um, 
And so, you know, the Anglican Church uh, has uh, Easter dates calculated for the next two millennia. They said, we're just preparing for, in case this is a long road. Um, so, but the time to share is now. The next thing he says is be able to share whether, be ready to share whether times are favorable or unfavorable. Now, here's no doubt, because I've lived it. It is much harder to share Jesus with people now than it was 10 years ago, and infinitely harder than it was 15 years ago. In the last 10 or 15 years, a lot has swung in how people receive this. But let me tell you this, maybe easier now than it's going to be in 10 years from now. This may be the best time we still have left. Now, I hope that's not true. I am praying for a revival of faith in the world, that the Holy Spirit will do a work in open hearts so that people can receive the good news of Jesus. But if that does not happen in the next five, 10 years or in my lifetime, then that just kind of says, now may be the best time you got. It's not as much fun as it was 15 years ago, but it may be a lot more fun than it's going to be in 15 years. So take the time that you have, amen. Um, this time he talks about when people won't listen to sound teaching, they'll go looking for teachers to tell them what their itching ears would like to hear. That is upon us. We are living in that right now. Don't you know it? Um, now you don't need to go to church. If the things said about Jesus and church disturb you, you can just go home, get on the internet and find anything you want supported, supported from scripture. The people writing that don't even go to the church themselves. They may not preach to anyone other than the other followers of their readings, but you can find anything now that you would like to believe. Um, and so that, that time is on us, um, as, as Scripture said it would be. Remember that when we do share our faith. We've been sharing the BLESS acronym, B-L-E-S-S. So begin to pray, pray for these opportunities. Listen to people, don't just talk. Listen, hear what God is already doing, the questions that they have. Eat a meal with them, you know, show acceptance and spend time. Serve them. Is there a need that you could meet? And the last S is to share your faith. So Pastor Dan always teaches us, invest, engage, invite, right? Well, investing is praying for an opportunity, listening to someone, eating a meal with them, serving them. There is invest. And then sharing your faith is engaging and inviting. So it's all there. Nothing's changed. Uh, we're not getting any new information here. We're just bringing it back up right here in our hearts. Amen. Um, and so Paul kind of is teaching us here. The when and where to share our faith is now. Now. Let's go to one more passage from Paul. This time, instead of writing to a pastor, he's writing to a whole church. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. It says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So can we pause again and thank God that this message he has given us is such a good message. It is such an easy message to share. It could be a miserable message, um, but it is not. It's a message that says uh, God is thrown open the gates of heaven and wants his children to come home. 
What better message is there than to tell people you can come home? It's morally good to tell people that God wants to invite people to come home. If you know people are invited to come home and you don't tell them that and just let them wander, how wicked is that? So it's good to tell people that. And, and, that, and that Christ has made a way. All sins are forgiven. No longer counting people's sins against them. What Jesus has done on the cross, this is a wonderful, positive message that we get to share. So uh, let's, be, let's be grateful. Let's be grateful for that. I want to focus on that word then when he said we are Christ's ambassadors. So the United States sends ambassadors all over the world um, to different countries. Somebody just pick a country for me. Denmark. Denmark. Great. So the United States sends an ambassador to Denmark, and that person's job is to show the friendship of the United States continually to Denmark. So when the ambassador to Denmark is doing his job or her job, where is, where is the ambassador? Is the ambassador wandering down to Italy most days of the week? He's in Denmark, right? That's, what, that's where he's assigned to show the goodwill of the United States. We'd, be a little, we'd find it a little strange if we sent the ambassador to Denmark and found out that he was in Spain most of the year. So if you are Christ's ambassadors sent to Western Missouri, then where should most of your sharing be happening? Right, right where you are, right where you are, where you work, where you play, where you learn, where you study. Um, so the answer to when and where is all the time and right where you are. All the time and right where you are. Remember we've talked about that this sharing of faith can happen in stages. We can start out just letting people know that we go to church and we like it. Maybe they don't have that information. See what God does with that in the relationship. Um, if the opportunity creates itself right then or at another time, you can tell them a short story. The short story of, of what your relationship with God, how it has helped your real life especially if it connects to something they're struggling with. That's why we listen, to hear what they may already be struggling with. And maybe we have a, a testimony to share about how God has helped us through that. And then we pray, of course, for the long version when we can tell folks the whole gospel of what God has done. Uh, cast through our life, how, you know, the sin I was once trapped in, how I learned that God had sent Jesus for me, how I ran from Jesus and ducked and tried to avoid that anyway until I realized what he had done for me on the cross and how I felt the grip of evil slipping off and how I felt the power of death broken or how I felt the forgiveness and love coming from God or I felt the penalty and guilt and shame lifted and that let the Holy Spirit come in my heart and help me to repent and repent just means to turn around and go the other way. What did I go away from? What did I go toward? It's a beautiful story that you have. It's a beautiful story that you have to share. And so that's, uh, that's how we share our faith. So that night that I uh, got choked at the amusement park, I went back to my dojang and I trained like I had never trained before. I had people put me in headlocks. I had people put me in sleeper holds. I had people put me in bear hugs. I had them pin me to the ground over and over and over again until these defenses aren't something I have to fish out, but they're just right here. A couple months later, I was at the junior high. When I was a senior in high school, I also tutored at the junior high. And so just a couple months after that incident, I was standing in front of the junior high and someone came out of the building, snuck up from behind and put me in another sleeper hole. This time I did not freeze. 
tuck my chin down to protect my airway, grab the hands, pull down for just a few extra seconds of blood flow, drop my weight quickly, half a turn, their feet came off the ground, straight up into the air, slam onto the pavement. That's when I heard a yelp, a very adolescent yelp. I just body slammed one of the junior high kids I was tutoring. Now, he's a big kid. He was bigger than me, but he's still 13 years old on school property. So fortunately, his mom wasn't out there waiting to pick him up yet. And he was not hurt badly. And, and, and being a kid, he thought maybe he'd done something wrong. So he didn't tell anybody. And I certainly did not tell anyone. Now, although I was not in any real danger, I did have a little nod of like, I was trained now. You know, when someone comes out and chokes you from behind, that, that is the right response. So, as far as my friend who lost his faith in Jesus, I have not had an opportunity to have a follow-up conversation with him. But I want you to know that the next morning I got up and I wrote this series that we've been doing for the last three weeks. That's where it all came from. Because I knew that I needed the training. I needed to get my gratefulness for what Jesus has done in my life back up to here. I needed to get my comfort with sharing the gospel right back onto the tip of my tongue. I needed to think about the ways and the stages in which we share faith. I needed that all at the front of my mind again. And I thought maybe we all could use a little of that. So I, I hope this series has helped you as it has helped me prepare to be the ambassadors that Jesus calls us to be, partnering and sharing the good news that he has given us in, in, right here where we are and all the time. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you we live when and where we do, uh, that there is yet still time. Um, we pray for an opportunity to share with the people we've been thinking about that are on our hearts or just any opportunity you want to bring, Lord. We're ready to listen, ready to accept people, ready to serve them. Um, stoke the fires of the gospel up high in our heart. You've done good works in our life, Lord. Help us to remember them and, and be ready to share them with the next person who's ready to be free and ready to come home. Give you thanks for these things in Jesus' name.